Good morning, church family, and happy Resurrection Sunday. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. And oh, happy day it is. And even though we cannot gather today on Resurrection Sunday, even though we are confined to our homes, even though we are in the midst of a pandemic, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. And because of that, we as Christians have the hope of eternal salvation now and forevermore. This is what we cling to. This is what we meditate on. And this is what we praise God for today and every day, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Scriptures, he was buried and that he was raised according to the scriptures on the third day. And because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, so too can we. But believe it or not, not everyone believes in the resurrection of the dead. In a survey I read from 2006 conducted by the Ohio State University, it found that only 36% of Americans believe that after they die, their bodies will be resurrected. And I'm sure that number has dropped since then. Unfortunately, church, we live in a society that overall does not believe in the resurrection of their bodies. And this is a troubling and really heartbreaking reality. But this is not a new trend, not by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the Apostle Paul dealt with nearly the very same thing when he wrote to a church located in Corinth, some only 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul was forced to address in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, also known as the resurrection chapter, this notion that some in the church in Corinth were saying that there is no resurrection from the dead. And Paul says, oh, brother Christian, sister Christian, there is a resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he paved the way for a future resurrection for his children. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning or the two main themes we will be looking at in the sermon this morning. Our thesis statement this morning is this. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ was not raised, and we as Christians are to be pitied. But Christ was raised from the dead. Thus, a future resurrection for the Christian is destined. One more time, our thesis statement this morning. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ was not raised, and we as Christians are to be pitied. But Christ was raised from the dead, thus a future resurrection for the Christian is destined. Our text this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as we will be in verses 12 through 22. And even from home this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, I would highly recommend you following along in the text this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 22. The Apostle Paul writes, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Heavenly Father, Lord, we rejoice with you this morning. Jesus Christ, he accomplished the work of redemption and salvation for his people with his perfect life, death, and resurrection. Jesus Christ, he was truly God and truly man. And he showcased that he was truly God by his resurrection. He showcased he was truly sinless by his resurrection. Death could not keep him down. But through the resurrection, Jesus Christ was also the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That those who are united with Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith, in the perfect work of Jesus Christ, we too can have a bodily resurrection. Lord, we are in all of your work. Father, I pray that you open the eyes open the ears and soften the hearts of all of the dear listeners this morning. Lord, that they see the beauty that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, they cling to it. They hope in it. And that their faith be strengthened this morning. Because you rose from the grave, those who are united with you will raise with you as well through eternity. Give me the words to speak this morning. Help me, Spirit, help my lisping, stammering, sinful, depraved tongue to convey well your words this morning and to bring glory to you, to edify your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning is this, point number one. If there is no resurrection from the dead, Christ was not raised then we as Christians are still in our sins, doomed for eternal damnation, and are to be pitied. Again, point number one. If there is no resurrection from the dead, Christ was not raised, then we as Christians are still in our sins, doomed for eternal damnation, and are to be pitied. Verses 12 through 19. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. 
then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now here, right off the bat, we see the heresy, we see the false teaching that some of these Christians in Corinth were proclaiming. Verse 12, it says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? That there is no resurrection from the dead. As Stephen Wellam pointed out, there is no evidence here that the Corinthians denied the reality of Jesus Christ's resurrection. What they were denying was a future bodily resurrection of the dead for the believers, for Christians. And this is a big deal to deny the future resurrection of Christians. Because if you get this wrong, you get the gospel wrong. To reject a bodily resurrection of the saints is to reject the redeeming, the saving, and the atoning work of Jesus Christ. It is to deny what Christ accomplished on the cross. Thus, Paul here reasons with the Corinthians, a people group who loved their intellect. They loved their wisdom. They loved their arguments. And Paul lays out the repercussions. He lays out the consequences, the hypotheticals for them, if you will, if, if, if in fact there is no resurrection of the dead. And if that were really true, then problem number one would be, verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If there is no resurrection from the dead, Christ could not have been raised. You see, Jesus Christ is truly God, but he is also truly man. And he, Jesus Christ, as Albert Barnes pointed out, he died and was buried. He laid in a grave for three days. He became cold and stiff. He had the blood inside his body cease to circulate. Thus, there is the same difficulty in raising Jesus Christ from the dead than anyone else who dies. So if it is impossible for the dead to rise, it would have been impossible for Jesus Christ to be raised as well. And if that is the case, that there is no resurrection from the dead, and that Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, then in verse 14, it says, our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain meaning what we preach, what we believe, what we cling to, what we hope in, it is vain. It is useless. It is pointless. It is worthless. It will fail. Because if there is no resurrection, then Jesus Christ isn't who he said he was. Instead, he would be a liar. Because Mark records Jesus saying that they will kill him and after three days he will rise. Matthew records Jesus saying that they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. Luke records Jesus saying that he will be killed and will be raised on the third day. If Jesus Christ said he would be raised on the third day and didn't, then he didn't conquer sin and death and he couldn't have been God. If Christ said he would be raised and didn't, then he lied and he is not 
sinless. If Christ said he would be raised and didn't, then he was not raised for our justification and he wasn't accepted as a propitiation for us. If Christ said he would be raised and didn't, then our preaching and our faith, brother Christian, sister Christian, it is pointless. If Christ said he would be raised and didn't, then verse 15 says we are misrepresenting God, saying God did something that he did not do. If the dead are not raised, then very quickly and very easily the entire Christian faith, it crumbles, it breaks down, and it falls apart. And how does this impact you? What does this mean for you and your life? Verses 16 and 17. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That you are still in your sin. You are still dead in your sin and you will face eternal death alone without a savior. And that is a reality that will make even the most hardened atheist, even the most hardened agnostic, tremble. Author Charles Brown wrote a biography about Colonel Ethan Allen, an American hero during the Revolutionary War. Colonel Ethan Allen was also an unbeliever and wrote a book to deny the deity of Jesus Christ. In the biography, he also noted that on one occasion, a doctor came to visit Alan's home when his beloved daughter became sick. And while Alan was telling the doctor about his writings and his research, a messenger came to Alan informing him that his daughter was suddenly about to die and wanted to speak with him. Now, the wife of Ethan Allen was a pious woman who had instructed her daughter in the principles of Christianity. And as soon as her father appeared, the daughter said to her father, Father, I am about to die. Shall I believe in the principles that you have taught me, denying that Jesus Christ is our eternal Savior? Or shall I believe in what mother has taught me, that Jesus Christ really can offer eternal life? Alan became extremely agitated. His, his chin started to quiver. His whole frame shook. After a few minutes, he replied, Believe what your mother has taught you, that Jesus Christ can offer eternal life. Church, to deny the bodily resurrection of the dead is to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which means there is no hope of eternal life after death for anyone who is in their sin. Sin, it separates us from God. And without a resurrected Savior, we have no chance of being cleansed. No resurrection means we are still in our sins. Thus, for those who would have trusted in a Savior, a Savior who said he would be raised but didn't, for those who would have trusted in a dead Savior, an unresurrected Savior, when they die, verse 18, it says that they would just perish their they're not saved. There's no eternal salvation. They just perish. And if Christ is the hope they lived for their entire life, and if he turned out to be unresurrected, not a Savior, not a Redeemer, not a Lord, those who devoutly trusted him, those who devoutly followed him, they are, it says in verse 9, to be pitied. Verse 18 
because if we as Christians lived a life dedicated to one who wasn't raised from the dead, then we deserve the world's compassion. Think about it. If there is no resurrection from the dead and Christ was not raised, our way of life, it would have been based on a lie. Our time at church, prayer meetings, small groups, it was a waste of time because it was based on a lie. The money we gave and saved to support the church and missionaries, benevolence, evangelism, it was a waste of money because it would have been based on a lie. Our personal time dedicated to Bible study and prayer teaching our children night after night, day after day, it would have had no eternal significance because it was based on a lie. Think about how dramatically your life, your decisions, your finances, your time look day after day, week after week, month after month, because your identity is in Jesus Christ. And if we were to find out at the end that Jesus Christ was not raised, that he wasn't raised from the dead, then what did we live for? Our lives, they would be a hoax, they would be a sham, they would be wasted. All the sacrifices we made in the here and now, hoping for a promised eternal inheritance, they would have all been a lie. If Jesus Christ was not raised. And we, brother Christian, sister Christian, are of all people most to be pitied because we would be a people living for an eternal inheritance, living for an eternal hope that did not exist if there was no resurrection from the dead and if Jesus Christ was not raised. But, 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 in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised from the dead. And, oh, how wonderful those words are to hear. Which brings us to point number two this morning. Christ has been raised from the dead, and so too will his children. Christ has been raised from the dead, and so too will his children. Verses 20 through 22. Paul writes, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And you can tell Paul is ready to get after it here. He has been patient in laying out a sophisticated, well-thought-out, rational argument for these Corinthians. But now, with the flood of evidence that Jesus Christ was raised from the grave, he wants his readers to know that without a shadow of a doubt, because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, so too can they be raised to new eternal life. That's thus, he starts in verse 20 with, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And here is Paul's apologetic. Here is his defense of the resurrection from earlier in chapter 15. In verses 4 through 8, he writes that Jesus was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul's saying here that it is a fact 
Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And he says, you don't believe me? Then ask Cephas, ask Peter. He saw him. He will tell you. You don't believe me? Ask his 12 disciples. They saw him too. Ask James. Ask the 500 people who saw him, most of whom are still alive. Furthermore, Peter Williams, a New Testament scholar, also acknowledged that the variety of the resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ in the Bible are insurmountable evidences to overcome. Because Jesus appeared to one man, and he appeared to one woman. He appeared to groups of people anywhere from two to 500. He appeared to people indoors and outdoors. He appeared to people in Judea and in Galilee. He appeared to people on the countryside, in the city, close up, at a distance. He appeared to people in the morning, in the evening, with prior appointment and without prior appointment. He appeared to people by a hill, by a lake, by a road, sitting, standing, walking, talking, eating. He appeared to adults and to children alike. Thus the old Overall, quality and quantity and variety of the first-hand accounts of the resurrected Jesus Christ alone, it is impossible for the denier of the resurrection to overcome. Nevertheless, during this time of year, you are sure to see many people, many TV shows, many blogs and podcasts state that the resurrection, that it didn't really happen. And that there are credible theories out there that prove it was a fake. The main one we often hear is known as the conspiracy theory. That Jesus Christ, he did actually die, but he wasn't raised from the dead. Instead, the disciples just made the whole thing up. Yes, that is one of the leading theories out there against the resurrection. And I love Chuck Colson's response to it. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it for me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me the 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Church, this morning, have confidence in the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. But if you remember, the debate in Corinth It's centered on whether there would be a resurrection for Christians, for believers. And if you remember from our introduction, only 36% of Americans believe that after they die, their bodies will be resurrected. So Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. What does that mean for believers? Verse 20, it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In essence, Christ is the first fruits of those to be raised to new eternal life. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, think about it this way. 
My wife, she loves to plant a garden every year. And in the strawberry patch, the first fruits that come up every year are strawberries. And the second fruits that come up are strawberries. And the third fruits that come up are strawberries. There's an entire harvest of strawberries after and like the first fruits that grew and were harvested. Harvested. And that is us, brother Christian, sister Christian. We are the future resurrected harvest that come after Jesus Christ, who is the first fruits. Robert Jameson, he put it this way. He said that if Jesus Christ is the first fruits, a whole resurrection harvest will follow so that our faith is not in vain, nor our hope limited to this life. Christ's resurrection is the reason, the pattern, the promise, and the assurance of the believer's resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it not only proved or vindicated that Jesus Christ was God and that he was sinless, Because sin and death couldn't keep him dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ also proved that the first fruits, those united with Christ, death had no claim over them either. Thus, those united with Jesus Christ, they can be resurrected to new life and restored back to God. In short, the storyline, the narrative of Scripture is displayed right here in these verses. Creation fall, redemption, and restoration. Listen carefully to verses 21 and 22. It says, For by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. For by a man came death, for as in Adam all die. You see, at creation, man, Adam, humanity, was not created with death as part of their original biological nature. Death only came when the first Adam, the first man, the first covenantal head, the first representative of humanity, Adam, when he sinned, and creation... God's perfect creation, it fell. For by a man, the sin of Adam, death entered the world and infected the entire human race. It infected all of the created order. But in the same way, in the same way the first Adam acted as a representative for mankind, God appointed Jesus Christ to be the second Adam, to be the second man, to be the second covenantal head, the second new representative for humanity, able to offer, verse 21, the resurrection of the dead. In verse 22, through whom shall all be made alive? You see, here's the comparison between Adam and Jesus Christ. By Adam came sin. By Christ comes the forgiveness of sins. By Adam, we are dead in sin. By Christ, we are born again. By Adam, all die. By Christ, all shall be made alive. It was Adam who was deceived by the serpent in the garden, and it was Jesus Christ who crushed the serpent's head. By Adam comes eternal death, and by Christ comes eternal life. This is good news, church. This is 
gospel news. This is Easter news. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 1 Thessalonians 4. Oh, happy day, church. Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave. And we are no longer dead in Adam, but we are now alive in Christ. Death has been swallowed up in Christ's victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Christian, we have now been born in the image of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. Thus, thanks be to God who gives us victory, who gives us salvation, who gives us a resurrection through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. And as we begin to close this morning, I will begin with the non-Christian who is listening. To the non-Christian that is listening to us on Easter Sunday, first off, thank you. It is an honor to share God's word with you this morning. And I also realize, non-Christian, you might be wondering, how exactly does this resurrection thing work? Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and so too can his children. But how? How can I be saved, resurrected? How can I become a child of the Most High God? John chapter 11, Jesus Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Thus to the non-Christian that is listening this morning, let me lovingly ask you, do you believe? Do you believe that you are a sinner and that your sin has separated you from God and that you are in need of a Savior? Do you believe that God came into this world as Jesus Christ and took on flesh to save sinners from their sin? Do you believe that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law for you? That he lived the perfect, righteous, sinless life that you could never live? Do you believe that as a perfect, sinless Savior, Jesus Christ then willingly bore the wrath of God on himself? The wrath you deserve, Jesus Christ bore that wrath on himself in your place for your sins. Do you believe that Jesus Christ for your sins, according to the scriptures, was crushed and was crucified on a cross? Do you believe that his perfect sacrifice... Jesus Christ, his life, that it appeased the holy wrath of God toward you and your sin. And do you believe that three days later, Jesus Christ, the second Adam, our new representative, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, he defeated sin and defeated death through eternity. And that because he did it, because he rose from the grave, those united with Christ can be resurrected as well. And if that is the case this morning, and you believe and you trust in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then let today be the day. 
that you repent of your sins. You turn from your sins and you trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the only one who can forgive you of your sins, the only one who paid the price of your sins, the only one who died for your sins and can clothe you in his righteousness, in his perfect life, and reconcile you back to God forever. And today will be the day that by grace, through faith, in the works of Jesus Christ, you will be saved through eternity. Though you may die, yet shall you live forever with your Lord. Non-Christian, let today be that day. And to the Christian that is here this morning, or who is listening this morning, as I mentioned earlier, Now is that time of the year where, as Christians, we will be bombarded with articles, TV specials, documentaries by the secular world refuting the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, claiming that Jesus Christ, he didn't really die, he just kind of fainted up there on the cross, or that Jesus Christ did die, but his resurrection then was made up. It was a myth. It was a hallucination. And I am here to share with you, brother Christian, sister Christian, that no matter the facts, no matter how insurmountable the evidence is that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, people believe what they want to believe. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But God in his mercy has opened the eyes of the foolish. He has opened the eyes of the weak. He has opened the eyes of the low to shame the strong so that no one may boast. Thus, as the children of God, do not let the words or the claims of the unsaved move your beliefs, move your confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ even a millimeter because brother Christian, sister Christian, the grave was empty. The grave, it was empty. The journal leadership shared this story about a boy named Philip, an eight-year-old who was born with Down syndrome, who attended a third-grade Sunday school class. Typical of that age, the children of the class did not readily accept Philip as a peer. On Easter Sunday, the teacher brought in a bunch of empty plastic eggs. Each child was given an empty empty egg and told to go outside on that lovely spring day and find symbols for new life and put it in the container. Back in the classroom, they would share their new life symbols. After running around the church property in wild confusion, the children returned to the classroom and placed the containers on the table. Surrounded by the children, the teacher began to open them one by one. After each, whether a flower butterfly or leaf, the class would, ooh, and ah. Then the teacher opened an egg that was empty inside. The teacher's heart sank. She knew right away whose egg it was. One child cried out, someone doesn't know how to do it. Another said, someone didn't do it right, and they all laughed. Then Philip spoke up. That's mine, he said. With all the children laughing, another yelled out, Philip, you don't ever do things right. There's nothing there. And as boldly as an eight-year-old, 
with Down syndrome can do, Philip stood up and said, I did do it right. It's empty. The tomb was empty. Church, the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ and his tomb, it was empty. And church, people can gawk, they can laugh, they can pick on us and call us primitive, that we would believe in the resurrection, but take heed this morning and never forget this fact. In the face of a world that ridicules us and Jesus Christ, the tomb, it was empty. The tomb was empty. And because our Savior, Jesus Christ, was raised from the dead, so too was Will there be a resurrection for his children, for those who have been united with him? Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body cling to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the physical bodily resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And yes, we might be fools in the eyes of the world, but oh, let our faith not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Because Lord, if there is no resurrection, we as your children we are to be pitied. For then Christ was not raised, and our faith and our preaching is in vain. We are dead in our sins with no Savior, no salvation, and no eternal hope. But we know, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the second Adam. He is the first fruits. He is our new representative. And because he did it, we know there is a massive harvest to follow, a harvest of saints from every tongue, every tribe, every nation who will be raised to new eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thus, let us live in a way that longs for that moment. Let us live in a way that confidently expects that moment. And let us live in a way that desires and prays that the rest of the fallen world around us be part of this glorified harvest as well. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and he accomplished that task through his life, death, and resurrection. Thus, oh, happy day it is, for by the work of Christ and Christ alone, there is a resurrection for his children, and we will be saved. To God be the glory for our resurrected Savior. To God be the glory. Happy Resurrection Sunday, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we cannot thank you enough. Lord, you came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ, who was truly God and truly man, bore the wrath that we deserved for our sins. But the grave could not keep Jesus Christ. Death could not defeat Jesus Christ. Sin could not defeat Jesus Christ. Because he is God and he is sinless. And three days later, he rose from the grave as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. God, you have given us a savior in Jesus Christ. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It has been swallowed up and destroyed by Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that the dear ones listening this morning they trust and they believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And to those who have faith in Jesus Christ, they will be united with Christ in a resurrection as well. To you be the glory forever and ever, God, for this gift and for who you are. Amen. Our benediction this morning comes from John chapter 11, 
verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Be at peace, church. Be at peace.